Al Berry, and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. Sal Barry along with Tim Parrish. Today we are going to talk about the 2020 NHL All-Star Skills Competition and 2020 NHL All-Star Game. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, a couple of sets that we like from about 10 years ago or so. Um, the, the champ sets from Upper Deck, uh, 09, 10, 8, 9, a couple other years of uh, Upper Deck champs hockey cards we'll get to that a little later first we're going to get into the all-star stuff so tim how are you today i am terrific that's good that's good i heard you got a new table for sorting cards um that and eating food oh I mean, uh, depends on your perspective yeah so. uh yeah when it's not dinner time then it could be a card sorting table i actually may may repurpose the old one for that so. it's not a bad idea yeah. Is it like a drop leaf table or is it like a full size table or uh it's a full it's a full table. Mm. So. Yeah, tables are tables are a dangerous thing because um you start putting stuff on them and then the stuff just grows, you know. It's like it's like moss on the side of a tree or like weeds in a garden. You put something on a table and then it just kind of grows out from there. Yeah, that's that's one of the downfalls of having any flat open surfaces in my yeah. house. Yeah, like the top of your printer, the top of your scanner, that's the every inch of your desk, you know, that corner table, the coffee yeah. table. Yeah, and I'm sure the new house it's going to get cluttered quick enough so without me throwing cards all over a table. Mm. <laughs> so, uh what did did you get a chance to watch the skills competition on Friday and the women's 3 on 3 game? I most certainly did. So real quick, I'm just going to recap the winners of all of that. So the fastest skater was uh, Matthew Barzell, New York Islanders. Uh, the save streak, Jordan Bennington of the St. Louis Blues. Accuracy shooting, uh, Jacob Slavin, Carolina Hurricanes. Harder shot, Shea Weber, surprise, surprise, Montreal Canadiens. Shooting stars, Patrick Kane of the Chicago Blackhawks. And then in a women's three-on-three game, Canada beat the United States 2-1. to one. So just getting a little facts out of the way. So I wanted to know, what did you think of the skills competition? Skills competition is always fun. I think it's always entertaining to watch. I know they mix it up from year to year, but it's it's fun to see the guys kind of perform and do things that are out of their element. Because anytime you can throw some chance of personality in with these guys, it's uh it's fun to watch. And the fact that they added the three on three, um, women's, uh, event, that was, that was very entertaining. That was actually pretty good hockey. Um, it had me, had me excited for team USA, but unfortunately they fell a little short and the goaltending, I was shocked. The goaltending was outstanding. So the Canadian women's goaltender, just a little bit of quick math, she made 18 out of 19 saves. So if you think about that, she was stopping about one shot a minute. So if you do the math of like a 60-minute game, that's almost 60 shots a game. That would be that would be 54 shots a game or 55, let's say between 54 and 58 shots a game doing that math. That's a lot of saves. That's insanity. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it wasn't that Team USA was, wasn't trying is that the, the Canadian women's goalie was so good. I mean, both teams were so good, and it, it's just like the argument, what's a better game, a 10-9 to 9 blowout or a 1-0 to nothing, uh, battle? And I, I think the argument here is that it was a 2-1 to one game, but nobody, 
Well, I don't say nobody because there have been a lot of critics on Twitter because there's always women's sports. There's no market for it. You know, those guys. Right. Like women can't dunk. So WNBA is terrible. Right. You know, those those some of them can. Right. But I can't dunk shit. I can't hit a free throw. Neither can Shaq. But Shaq makes millions of dollars and he can dunk. I can't do either. Yeah. Well, um, I won't I won't get into (laughs) I was gonna oh. say you could also you could also form a complete sentence and spell, but you know that's that's I'm joking, of course. But yeah. um, I love Shaq; he's great. Yeah, we but, all love Shaq. Yeah, the old, uh, when you see him doing the gold bond commercials, and you're just like, oh man, like because he was like the face of the young new NBA, you know, and and it was yeah. Shaq, right? That was that was like the guy of our generation, you know. I mean like for as far as basketball goes and now that he's doing like you know oh got back pain need back relief and it's just like oh man gold bond icy hot he's selling insurance for the general yeah i'll do anything but anyway yeah i mean so as far as the skills competition go like i said it was it was fun to watch the the women play um i didn't think anyone stood a chance at beating Connor mcdavid in the fastest skater but Lo and behold, Barzell got out there and just and and beat him by it was only a few tenths of a second, I think. And just to um, say how quick from the first place to the last place was just over a second. So like literally one one thousand. That's it. That's yeah. that's the difference separating the the best, the fastest, and the slowest skater. So the right. slowest skater, we're talking like nothing. I mean, doing a lap around the rink in fourteen seconds is insane. Some of those guys can fly. Yeah. I mean, literally, they can just, they haul. Um, and I'm just, it blows my mind, especially when you see them going around with that kind of velocity going around the brink and they mm-hmm. get down real low to get those turns in mm-hmm. and that, the edge work on their skates. It's just, I could see myself just falling and crashing into the wall and that'd be the end of that. Oh yeah, that that that's. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that that is. I remember when I was doing uh, when I was first learning how to play hockey, and sometimes at the end of one of our lessons, uh, we'd be on a full sized rink, and the coach would make us do like three laps around the ice, and yeah. I'd be I'd be dying, I'd be dying. But then there would be people like trying to do a corner and and wipe out. And again, this is a beginner's class, but I mean, it's tough, you know, and especially it's, it's, it's funny because you see them go into sometimes that first turn or that second turn and you see them kind of glide for just that split second. Cause it's almost like they need to get their bearing because if they keep crossing over, they're going to hit the wall. So they need to just kind of glide, kind of go straight and then start cutting their turn around the net. And it, it seemed that like, those who are able to do that glide a little bit less, that's really what made up the difference. Because the straightaway skating is no problem. It's the it's going around the nets. That's the, Obviously, that's the hard part that makes it challenging. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You put some obstruction in your way and you got to you gotta move. But no, Mer- yeah. But yeah, yeah. so that, that was that was kind of surprising that that Connor got dethroned from that. The save streak thing was I like it. Like I, I like that the fact that they have a goalie competition in there. Agree. I don't necessarily like the way they do it. Um, you know, you, 
they basically go through one round of guys from whatever team it is, mm-hmm. and then um, what is it? Nine. There were nine players. There were nine, nine and if the goalie makes the saves the last guy who's the team captain, then he gets to then they get to they can keep going, keep until going they, until until they give one up, right? Until they give one up. Yeah. So Bennington won with ten saves, and I mean, I'm. When they started this, didn't Flurry win it? And he had like 14 in a row or 15 in a row or something like that a few years I ago. I don't know because it seems like the last couple of years I wasn't able to watch the skills competition. So oh, I wasn't okay. always uh, aware of what was what was going on with that. Um, what I found, though, is that I, I liked this. It was nice for the goalies to have an event that was about the goalies. But it seemed like a little bit of it. It wasn't so much about the goalie making the save as the other guy just screwing up, you know, tries to make a fancy move and a puck rolls off his stick, the end, or shoots well, yeah. and misses the net, the end, when, or when puts Tristan on Jari a Justin Bieber mask and can't see where he's shooting, the end. Yeah, but that was cool. I oh, that was, that was great. That was, that was great. Considering the backstory and everything with them going at each other on Instagram or whatever it was about, you know, Bieber being able to, to score a shootout goal against Bennington. But yeah, the fact that uh, Tomas Hurdle put on that mask, that was pretty cool. But what you were saying, Tristan Jari, I mean, when he was up, he got in that and the first two, first two guys like didn't even shoot it on the goal. So it's like, those are, those are counted as saves, but they're not really, really you didn't really do anything. So if they're not a shot on goal, how does it count as a save? It doesn't count like that in a normal game, but well, I think they should tweak the. I, I think they should tweak the the goalie thing a little bit and make it a little more interesting rather than just sitting there in net and facing guys. I think they should probably do something like set guys up around in different spots in front of them and mm-hmm. do like a guy fires from you know Ovechkin's office area, guy fires mm-hmm. from the blue line, guy fires mm-hmm. from the other side, um, guy skates up and like do like this rapid fire thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe goalies can't handle it, nor do they want to go to an all-star game and actually have to stretch and do something. So maybe that's well, why they the don't. argument against a rapid fire thing, and actually, this has also been talked about, like for for goalie training and goalie practices, is that what happens with something like that is that you're putting goalies into a situation that doesn't exact exist in a really in a real game because there's one puck, right? So a goalie is not going to face a shot from the blue line. And then from the opposite blue line, you know what I mean? Like, it's not going to happen like that. Where like shot from well, the left point. No, yeah, no, I it's going to, or they're going to have enough time to reset or the next shot is going to be from the slot and they're going to be more, you know, closer to it. So, I mean, well, maybe not dis- rapid fire, but maybe like this guy fires. Okay. And then you got like three seconds, then this guy fires. And then, so you, so they have the ability to get back into position. Oh, I, mean, I, I want to see something like exciting, you know. I want to see like a crazy Mark Andre Fleury save, you know, where he dives across the goal and saves it with the very tip of his um, stick of his of his stick or something like that. Pulls a groin muscle and is out for well, that and games. that's yeah. So there's the argument for that. All right, maybe leave it alone. I like these are the, so these are the events that I liked back in the day. I liked. The breakaway challenge, which they didn't do this time, they kind of did, but it was different. It was instead of this being about 
scoring a goal and getting a point. It was more about the goalie making a save. I mean, different way of looking at it. But I loved it when, like, they would take that shot on the goalie. You know, they they do like a basically like a uh, a penalty shot or 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 a um a shootout goal. And I guess maybe now we're not so excited about that. But back in the day, to have somebody like Gretzky, you know pick it up at the red line, skate down and take a shot on Wah, you know, and then Lemieux pick it up at the red line, skate it down and take a shot on Belfort. I mean, that was back in the day, that was, I thought, a really fun event. Maybe it's now kind of passe because we have shootouts all the time. Yeah, because you see them more often than than you do. I don't know. They're, I think they, they, they should be able to do something to tweak the goalie thing. The accuracy shooting thing. I always like the accuracy shooting and it always amazes me how quick guys can hit those targets, but Mm -hmm. man, did they flub this one up this year? (laughs) Yeah. Well, they tried something new and it didn't work. They tried those digital boards with those plexiglass covers. And I mean, what two guys went and the whole thing was broken and it wouldn't work. And so that they have this like nerdy looking it guy come slithering out onto the ice to change out the thing. (laughs) So, I well, I like that they tried something different. I like that they were animated. I don't know if that's distracting or not. I almost kind of wanted it to be like a shooting gallery with like the little ducks going by and stuff like that. I'd like that, or or like press your luck. Remember, press your luck with the whammies. Whammies, yeah. You get a whammy, and then a little whammy comes out and makes fun of you, (laughs) right? And I would love something like that. Like the player, player misses the net, and the whammy comes out, starts making fun of them. Well, I know it's like a, it's a totally different motion, but if you, not, nobody really watches the Pro Bowl okay. for football, but they have a skills competition as well. And they have um, guys go up and grab a football and throw it at targets at various distances. And a lot of the targets are moving. Oh, that's cool. So you're throwing at a moving target. Um, so, yeah, that would be a kind of thing. And if they're going to do the digital screen and kind of keep that, I mean, there's all sorts of things they could program with with that type of thing. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I usually like that event, but I wish they would bring back this, the old styrofoam target. There was something the, satisfying yeah. about that. Yeah. When you hit the target and they explode into a million pieces, that was cool. Now, didn't they with, with that one, wasn't when they had the player passing the puck to you and then they'd shoot it or yeah, was that the fired. rapid, fu- but was that with a goalie or not a goalie? I can't remember, but I remember like there'd be a whistle and then somebody pass and then shoot and then a whistle and then pass and shoot. I thought it was with the targets. I don't think they ever had a goalie in that for that. Okay. But, um, yeah. It's funny you say that because that's when uh, they, they dusted off uh, uh, good old Bernie for Durko. And had him come out on the ice, and I thought he was going to shoot. I did like, too. Yeah, he, they come, they bring him out on the ice, and I'm like, oh, Bernie's going to, sh- Bernie's going to shoot. This, this, he's going to teach these young guys a thing or two. And he comes out, and he just passes the puck to, was it? Uh, it was one of the Blues players. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I think it was O'Reilly, Ryan O'Reilly, I think. Too much. And he just pressure, passes though. the puck, and he shoots it, and misses the net a couple times, and then. He waves to the crowd and goes off the ice. I'm like, what the heck? I was like, oh, I was expecting something to happen. And then he didn't do anything. If you're um, if you're a retired player, and I, I think you'd want to avoid at all costs like doing something like that, because if you miss, if Bernie goes out and he shoots the puck and he misses the net, 
then people would be like, oh, he must have not been that good, or oh, I guess that's why he's retired. Or, you know, you just get you get the shitty comments from people. Like, nobody wants to be embarrassed, you know what I mean? That's only the morons, though. Oh, but there's so many morons. There's so many morons, and they're oh, all on Twitter. True. That's true. Or I, Facebook, or, no, or that's Instagram. True. I mean, but I think just, they, they're out there. Well, they sort of they sort of redeemed themselves with the Al McGinnis thing when Al came out and grabbed his wooden stick mm-hmm. and blasted the puck in, and it registered for the hardest shot at one hundred point four. Which you saw it go in, and you're like, There's no way that was a hundred point four. But of course, that was his old his record. old record. So that's what they put up, and anybody that beat it, they were they donated money. To their favorite charity right and allegedly uh-huh. they forgot to turn it on for seth jones which is why his first shot didn't register. yeah his first threat didn't count but they didn't, you know, they you didn't turn to... on the gun for real the radar right. gun but you had to know like with the hardest shot you saw that shea weber was there so you had to know he was going to win like i don't think there was any doubt in anyone's mind that he was going to win there was nobody on that list that that i thought could have beat him no, but there were a lot of hard shots in that event. I mean, there, there were, were a lot of I mean, over 100 miles an hour. Yeah, I think four or five. There were four or five shots that were over 100 miles an hour. And Seth Jones, like his second one was almost 100, I thought. So, but uh, yeah, so the hardest shot's always fun to watch to see how much power those guys have. Mm-hmm. And Shea Weber wins it again for what, like the fourth time. Something uh, like that. But uh, now the Shooting Stars one. That was that was interesting. I, I had, liked it. It I, was fun. I, I, I did. I liked it. It was fun. It was kind of like watching. It was kind of like Top Golf for hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody that's familiar with Top Golf, it's a lot of fun. But it's just kind of like that. But like the way it was described, it wasn't what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. And when it actually came to fruition, and I saw what it was really happening, I'm like, wait a minute, the Penguins did this like a year ago, mm-hmm. and there were videos of multiple players as part of the key bank. They do like a little key bank promotion uh, through their website and everything else. And Mm -hmm. they'll do videos for different things. And it was a competition between Crosby and Malkin. Only they were shooting the puck into the net from the upper deck in the, one of the gates in the Mm -hmm. arena. So they were standing in the doorway of the arena on a mat and firing the puck all the way from the roof down Mm -hmm. to the ice and trying to get it into the net on the other side. Mm -hmm. And, Basically, that was kind of the same concept. So I thought, huh, wonder if this is where they got the idea from. But it was kind of cool to have all the targets. The only thing I didn't like about that, though, everybody was shooting for that center target. Oh, there's a reason for that. They all agreed to shoot for it. They all made a pact ahead of time. They just said, you know what? Let's just all go for the big target. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Ah. See, that takes the, that kind of takes the fun in this, the, you, you, I mean, you're trying to score and you're trying to get the highest score and there's all sorts of ways to do it. That's why I kept saying, like, why doesn't somebody fire it down to the other end of the ice? It'd probably be easier to get it into the net. And that's four points instead right. of keep trying to throw it into this 10 pointer where everybody's hitting it and it's not counting because it's going in the top. Right. Yeah, because you could be strategic and, and probably just say, all right, I'm going to hit that four pointer all the time and get 40 points. And that yeah. would have been like the highest one. But no, from what I understand, they all just agreed. You know what? Let's all just go for that. Let's all just aim for the 10 pointer, uh, which was, was the biggest target. But it was also hard to hit because the arch, you you couldn't get it. There were like two arches. It was almost like you had two arches. And if it went above and in between the two arches, and in 
it would light up but not count. So it had to basically yeah, it had to it go had to fall through the first the one. First arch. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It had to go through the first one and into the netting. Because mm-hmm. if it went over the top of the arch, it went onto the back of the netting and most of the time slid down the back and fell yes. underneath it. Yes. Which you're like, well, it went in. No, right. not according to their points. So like I think Mitch Marner did that and um didn't uh was Pasternak in that one? I don't remember so. if Pasternak was in that one or not, but you know, the multiple one. Yeah, I think Pasternak hit it too, and it didn't count. And you know, I'm like, what? That's kind of bizarre. But I thought everybody should have been shooting it like strategically at all the different all the different targets to see. I think if they're going to do that event again, they should tweak it and be like, okay, you have to aim at this target, and you have so many seconds. So like, you got. Two minutes to do all of this. So forty, you have forty seconds. We're going to keep feeding you pucks. You have to hit something at this target, and then something at this target, and something, and it gets further and further back. Mm-hmm. Do something like that. I think that would be a little more interesting. Well, and I think maybe the inspiration for this was this great McDonald's commercials from the late '90s that had Matt Sundin and Wayne Gretzky playing a game where they're shooting the puck and they're like going back and forth, and they're like. I'm going to shoot it this way. And then the other one shoots it and I'm going to hit it off the post. And then the other one hits it off the post. And then they're like in the stands and they're like shooting the puck. And then the other one shoots the puck. And it's just ridiculous. They're like, basically like they're like playing this game of horse basically, but with pucks to like, I don't know, over somebody's French fries or something. It was, it was a cute commercial back in the day. Um, They did the same thing. Yeah. They did the same thing with like Jordan and bird. Yeah. Off the scoreboard, off of here, nothing but net. That's exactly yeah. Then yeah, actually, I know I know that one better because I mean that one aired in the U.S. and I think the the other one only aired in Canada with Sundin and and uh, Gretzky, but I mean Gretzky was a Ranger by then, so it might have aired in the U.S. I don't know, probably not because we never get any hockey commercials except for Marty Brodeur, and I didn't even see that during the skills competitions. Oh, oh I, did, was, I did, I did. It I was did. on multiple times. It was, but yeah. what was the other? Oh, and that and the Dunkin' Donuts with uh, Pasternak. Did you notice there's like three or four different versions of that one now? Which one? The, the, of the Dunkin' Donut one. So there was the original one where he's in the penalty box. Right? Yeah. And then, so this one now has um, Kendall Coyne Schofield in it, mm-hmm. and there's three different versions that I saw. So yeah. there's one where she's talking about, you know, when we make fun of other players or whatever, we call it chirping. So here's one. And she says something like, uh, uh, the only thing you got going for you on the ice pasta is that cold brew in your hand. And then the first one I saw, he says something like, oh, yeah, well, I've, I, I'm a something like I'm a cold brewing. No, 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 no. She said. Oh no, she said something. She no, that wasn't about the chirp. That was a different. That was a different one. The one with the chirp, he said. He she said. When he says pasta's feelings hurt, and he skated yeah, away. Yeah, and he skates okay. away. That's hilarious. Yeah, the I other one, which one was like she said something, and then he said, "I'm a cold." I forget what it yeah, was. He's like, "I'm a cold brewing," and she's just looking at him. He's like, "Get it, brewing? Mm-hmm. I'm a brewing." And she's just like, "Okay." Yeah. Like I, I imagine that's how the actual conversation would have gone if it was real. Yeah. Because he's 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 got a personality and it's pretty it's pretty funny some of the stuff that he that he says. But uh, well, 
I'm always happy to see a hockey player in a commercial or two hockey players in a commercial. So yeah, um, overall, I was I was fairly entertained with with most of the skills competition. You know, it was funny when when um when they uh, brought Wayne Gretzky out and they're like uh, all time leading point scorer and a former St. Louis Blue Wayne Gretzky. And I'm like, yeah, for about twelve minutes until. Yeah. Mike Keenan ran him out of town. I'm like, what's next? Is Marty Broder going to come out as like the all-time greatest St. Louis Blue goaltender, you know? Yeah, exactly. They put their stamp on anybody that's ever put on a jersey. <laughs> yeah, we had you for five minutes, so you're our, yeah. I mean, obviously, like, Federko, Kachuk, Hull, McInnes, I mean, those guys were Blues players for a long time, but Gretzky, it was like... They had the right idea with Gretzky. I mean, they had the right idea with Wayne Gretzky uh, acquiring him. I mean, they were trying to make a run run for it, and they, they had a damn good team. I mean, they had Hull. They had uh, McInnes. They had uh, Grant Fuhrer. I mean, they had a good team. But, did, they, uh, did they have Adam Oates at the same time? No. Or was Oates he gone already? It was, was already long gone, gone by then. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, if it ain't broke, you know, trade him away, right? Cause right. Yeah, because I don't know why they would have. Uh, Hull actually defended that decision. And he's like, yeah, Oates set me up for a lot of goals. But, you know, I also got a lot of goals with Craig Janney as my center. But it's like, yeah, but you were doing really good with Adam Oates. You could have just left you two alone for 10 years and just let let it happen. You know what I mean? Instead of yeah. like, well, this is good, but can it be better? It's like, dude's got 86 goals this season. Leave him alone, you know? Speaking of Hull, they paraded him out out and about multiple times over yep. the weekend they brought him out this time well and that's that's the thing my wife and i were watching it and i'm like every time they're like ladies and gentlemen brett hall and the crowd would go crazy and he, he'd come sauntering out and i <laughs> the first thing i'd say to her i'm like let's see how drunk he is <laughs> yeah uh that's good times yeah. go ahead kiss bernie federico on the forehead we know you want to holy that's okay we love him yeah. too um yeah so uh uh, okay, so skills competition, and then the next night we had the all-star game. Now, I uh, it was funny. I, I got home a little late. I was out for my birthday yesterday uh, during the Saturday night all-star game. Went out with family for, for my birthday. And, Happy uh, belated birthday. Oh, well, it's uh, January 27th is my birthday. so we were Happy just... early birthday. Happy birthday or... tomorrow. Yeah, unless you're listening to this podcast on the 27th, then happy birthday today, right? Yes. That's the weird thing about recordings. You don't know when the audience is listening to this. Well, happy birthday whenever that day is. Right. So anyway, so uh, another year older, not necessarily another year wiser. Um, but uh, my sister and aunt, they bought me something pretty cool. They bought me a, um, it was a, a game-worn practice jersey uh, worn by a Chicago Wolves player. It didn't have a name on the back. It's just a practice jersey. But it's still something they bought from the team. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. You know, and I tried it on and it actually fit comfortably. I mean, I I don't know if I'll be able to get gear over it. Probably. Um, I don't know if it's small enough or big enough or not, whatnot. But that was like their, their gift to me. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool, you know, because it's cool. something that you don't see every day that you can't just go in the store and buy. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we're we're out and then. By the time I got home and I got, you know, settled and this, that, and the other thing. So I kind of missed the first half of the first game. So I caught the second half and the end of the um, first game. So just to recap, game one, Atlantic beat Metropolitan 9-5. to Game two, Pacific beat Central 10-5. to And in final game, Pacific beat Atlantic 
six to four was the the final. Um, so a couple of things. I like this three on three format. I know people are already criticizing it today. Uh, I've I read an article already, and you know, of course, people on Twitter and stuff. And he said that the players look bored. The players don't look engaged. The players aren't trying that hard. Um, and I kind of saw that a little bit. I there was not that intensity when you see like a three on three overtime, and the players like are are skating their asses off because it's do or die. It's next goal wins, right? There's a, a sense of urgency that isn't necessarily there, but it didn't detract from my enjoyment of the game. And I actually, I liked that the third and final game, it was a lot closer. It was back and forth until the end. I appreciated that. Yeah, that was definitely, I mean, I got the same feeling. The very first game I thought was really flat. The Atlantic mm-hmm. versus Metro game. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than the ups and downs of the crowd yelling and screaming and cheering and booing for various people, mm-hmm. um, namely Pasternak, the boos rain down because mm-hmm. he's obviously a Bruin. But right. um, yeah, I, I kind of felt the same way about that one. It was it was kind of flat. But let me just say this to all the detractors out there about all this: you're not a hockey fan, okay? The people that are complaining about this, they're not hockey fans. They really aren't. Because if you enjoy the game of hockey and you like watching it, this was enjoyable. It really was. The whole entire thing. Skills competition the day before and the game itself and the whole event and pageantry and everything else. Whether you like the hockey or not, that's not what it's about. Okay? It wasn't about that. No one in their right mind as a hockey fan expects to see an all-star game where guys are going to be out there and just, you know, you know, getting pucks in deep and 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 going hard and putting forth a whole team effort and everything. They're not going to. It's an all-star game. They're out there to have fun. Mm-hmm. And they're always going to be, well, not always. They're generally going to be lopsided games. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a ton of goals. And I feel really bad for the goaltenders all the time. But that's what it is. It's to showcase all the talent. And nine times out of ten, it's now that it's the three-on-three format, it's guys skating out there and they're trying to do the tic-tac-toe passes to make it look pretty for a highlight real goal. That's what it is. And it, it's always that because if you notice in the first game and the second game, it was pass, 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 pass. And it was like, come on, somebody shoot the puck. But you know, that's what it is. And you can't expect to have, you know, the best looking hockey. And I know a lot of people don't like the three-on-three, even during the regular season, but I think it's exciting. I enjoyed it, and, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, the first game was flat. Game two was got a little bit better, even though it was 10-5. to Um, But, you know, that last game, I thought the second second half of the last game, I mean, Mm -hmm. it was like all of a sudden everybody woke up and were like, Oh yeah, we're playing for a million dollars. We better go out there and do something. Mm-hmm. And then it got good. Yeah, it, it actually was. It was pretty decent hockey at that point. Um, so, you know, it, the All Star Game is always going to be that. It's going to be an All Star Game. Nobody watches the NBA All Star Game because people feel like nobody plays defense, so everybody's playing offense. The score is going to be 175 to 160, and it's no different than watching a regular NBA game. Mm -hmm. Nobody watches the Pro Bowl because most of the players decide not to go, and there's all (laughs) kinds of replacement players there, and nobody cares to watch it. 
Mm-hmm. So in general, especially over the last probably 10 to 15 years, the viewership on All-Star Games has gone way down because they know that this is kind of what it is. And yeah, does the NHL have guys that don't want to show up and don't want to play? Yeah, of course. We saw that this year. Um, oh, and that was another thing, too. The uh, Not to like jump all around here and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's okay. when uh, you know they had these celebrity celebrity guest coaches on the benches for the teams Mm -hmm. and Gretzky was on the bench for the Pacific Mm -hmm. and um, Brian Boucher is down there and basically talks to him and he asks, you know, you played in 18 all-star games and you know, what, what's it like to be selected to an all-star game? And as soon as he asked the question, I'm like, this was a setup. This was a total setup. And Sure enough, Gretzky answers, and Gretzky's a great ambassador for hockey, great mm-hmm. ambassador for the game. Uh, I mean, like him or hate him, he's good. He's good for hockey. Mm-hmm. He gave that what I expected as an NHL answer of, you know, I was, you know, I, I came to every single one of these games, and I was excited, and they were so much fun, and you know, I always came with the thought that. I've played with so many great players and, and those guys are never going to even be in an all-star game. And, you know, I think of those guys that never get the opportunity and it never will. And, you know, I don't take any of it for granted and all this stuff. And I'm like, this is a dig at all the guys that were like, I don't want to go or, Oh, I faked an injury. Oh, I, I pulled a groin or, you know, whatever, you know? Yeah. The NHL implements now that you have to sit out a game if you decide not to go and you're not injured. Well, Okay, so Austin Matthews fakes a wrist injury and shows up anyway, so he doesn't have to so he doesn't have to play, but he also doesn't have to sit out the next game. So guys are gonna find ways around it. They're gonna they're gonna they're they're gonna do what they do, but I just thought that was a nice little dig to say, you know what? And we talked about it, I think, on the last show is you know, in the old days, guys would not do that. Mm-hmm. Guys show up, guys play. Because mm-hmm. that's how they were. Mm-hmm. And you don't have that anymore. So, but well, you know, like one one thing I remember. I don't want to be the get off my lawn guy. Get off my lawn, yeah. Yeah. No, I I mean, we we talked about that and we debated about how we we don't like the fact that players don't want to don't want to come. Like we understand why they don't want to come to the All Star Game, but we we understand why they don't want to come. But at the same time, we want them to be there. Um. Like at the end of the All Star Game, when they were like just kind of closing things up, and uh, they talked with um, uh, Max Pacioretty of the Vegas Golden Knights, and you know, again, he gave a very affirmative because that was his first All Star Game, and he was just like, "Was it the interview at the booth, or was it the interview they did with him down in the hallway?" It was up in the stands. Okay, like so he, was, he had already changed clothes and everything. Yeah, he already changed right, clothes. I watched he that was, one. Yeah, and, and so you see the, you know, the ice behind them and the empty yeah. stands. And yeah, yeah, he yeah. was just saying, I never thought this would happen. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. There were a few times I thought I should have been here, but I wasn't here. And, you know, the older you get, the harder it gets to come. He said, but, you know, with this, that, and the other thing, he was so excited he got to come. He got to bring his four boys, and they were old enough to, you know, be interested and excited about it and not just, like, not care about it. And, uh, I mean, I, I felt good for him. And, uh, I mean, I, if you'd said, 
Max Pacioretty's on the all-star team, you'd be like, yeah, okay, you know, he's a good player, you know, he's, he's good for Vegas. I mean, you might argue that this player is better or that play, player is better. I mean, again, people are even saying, like, well, Brady Kachuk and Matthew Kachuk are not even, like, top 10. They're not even in the top 20 in scoring. But who cares? I mean, they're good. they're good players. I mean... There's always going to be better players that could have been in the All-Star game for one reason or another, whether it's because you had a coach pick his goalie over the goalie who was better, or you had the coach pick a couple guys from his team versus guys on other teams that were maybe more deserving or because a player gets injured or whatever. You know what I mean? You're not always going to have that. I think that's what the All-Star, the first team All-Star and a second team all-star at the end of the season are four. When you say, here are the best 12 players in the NHL, right? But the all-star game, like you said, it needs to be a pageantry, right? So we were happy to see Keith Kachuk with his two boys. Even if you're not like a big fan of the Kachuks, you're like, all right, that's that's a nice thing. You know what I mean? Or Pat I was Shred- just hoping they recreated that photo of him down on the knee on the ice and them sitting on the dasher board mm-hmm. wall. I was I hope I was hoping they would recreate that photo. Yeah, then and now that would be great, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Now they're yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think they'd want to do that, but that would be that would be funny. But yeah. um, yeah, like you said, the pageantry and and that's what I like about the All Star Game. I mean, it's like the game itself takes a backseat to all the other stuff, to the skills competition, or like the years that they had the player draft. That you know, that was always kind of a highlight. Player draft or, was fun. When Phil Kessel would be the last one drafted all the time, and that was the running joke. That was except for funny. that time that Ovechkin wanted to be drafted last, and it was yes. just like, okay, Ovi, whatever. Like, yeah. um, stick to your day job because comedy is not intentional. Comedy is not your strong suit. He does pretty good as the head in the bowling bag on the commercial. That was, that was creepy. It was creepy. Or yeah. the one where he's in the locker. Yes. But then what I didn't like that. So the one in the locker where the kid opens the locker and Ovechkin's head is in the locker and he's like, hey, did you get the whatever, the stick or the skates? Right. They were like some were they for skate. I don't even remember. Right. He's done commercials and I don't even remember what they're for. But then he's like, oh, good. No, the world will be ours. All of ours. Ha ha ha. Yeah. And I'm like that crazy laugh. No. And that's fine. Just the line. Then he a maniacal person never says the world will be ours. They say the world will be. Come on, channel mine? your inner cobra. The world will be mine? Your inner cobra commander. The world will be mine, yeah. right? They never say good. Now the world will be ours. Ha, ha, ha. Right? That just, like, yeah. the laugh was fine. I think that was a CCM commercial. CCM commercial, yeah. yeah. Anyway. So, like you said, the pageantry, the player intros, all of that stuff, that's, that's the highlight. I mean, the right. game... You know, how do we make the game more intense? Well, let's make it $2 million. Let's make it $3 million. Well, I don't know. Maybe these players are saying, shit, I'm making $8 million a year. I don't want to hurt myself in an all-star game. And I understand that. So they shouldn't. So what we get is okay. And and I agree with that entirely. So all the people that are saying, oh, this isn't this. Isn't this. Come on. Don't watch. Don't watch. Don't comment. Go away. You know, that's that's kind of that's kind of what I my opinion yeah yeah i agree if you don't like it don't watch it um i liked the fact that green day performed oh you like that did you i like green day now uh, a lot of people like green day i'm not sure gary bettman's much of a fan anymore well okay (laughs) here's the thing if i go to a green day concert and they curse that's fine if they Uh i play their music and they curse that's fine they do right 
if they curse on something that's live on NBC, it's like I was arguing with somebody on Twitter. That? I was that's arguing. I was arguing with somebody on Twitter, and they were like, "Oh well, they, 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 you couldn't hear half the song because of all that they're cursing." And I'm like, "That doesn't lessen my enjoyment of the band Green Day." Well, and not only that, you only saw the one song when they were outside. They actually played like three or four songs on the outside stage. Okay. And the, the one that they actually turned on when the tape was rolling, it was the last song that they played, which is why you see them play like one song. They all put their instruments down and leave and go inside the, go inside the building. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're thinking, wow, they only played one song. No, they had already played like two or three before that. Mm-hmm. So they go in and of course they play two of their biggest hits as they're in there. Well, it's freaking great day. You know, if you've known anything about Green Day and know what they come from and the background that they come from and what they stand for and everything else, you should have already known that this was going to happen and had the potential of happening because they don't care. They're musicians. They do what they do. They don't care. They don't care about your rules. They don't care about any of that because to them it doesn't mean anything. Well, so. there were some there were a few times where they censored themselves. There were some times where they didn't say certain words in songs and then there were uh, and then there's just uh, uh Billy Joe just like, you know, cursing I must have missed street. that part because I heard maybe I was just it singing was, the uh, songs American, in my head. It was American idiot and he didn't say the f word and I don't mean the f word, I mean the other f word that's a the, slur towards gay people. He didn't say bu- that word. He The bundle just, of sticks. Right, yeah. Yes. He didn't say that word and but I he, I He didn't? He did not. And I played it back because I said, oh. did they beep him or did they just mute it? No, because he stopped singing for that one word, but the music was still playing. So he just skipped Maybe a I word. I just know all the songs and so I was singing them in my head and then I just kept going. Maybe that's what it was. Speaking I don't know. of knowing all the songs, I gotta tell you, Green Day, back in the day, back in the day. Uh, Green Day, back in the day. Um, I was, I want to say I was a little resistant to liking Green Day. And I got to tell you, Basket Case was like the song that turned me into a fan. Yeah. Like, I love that song. I just, just, it's so perfect. I mean, do you have the time to listen to me whine about nothing and everything all at once? And I just thought, eh, sounds like a lot of people I know. Now that sounds like me. <laughs> but I, I, that's the song where I'm like, all right, you know what? This band is not a one-hit wonder. They got a few chops. I, you know, I bought their their '94 album Dookie, and then I liked it enough that I went back and I bought their earlier stuff, and I really liked their earlier stuff. And then I just that really got me in into them, you know, like a lot. Well, that's one thing with the punk style of music; it's not intricate as structure from a musical structure but it's loud and it's obnoxious and it's in your face. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of 10, it has very poignant lyrics that are either politically charged yep. or somehow socially charged that gets people interested and keeps them interested. And that was a, when green day came up, that was a time period where there was kind of a punk sort of revival going on yeah not, not that, punk. yeah not that ever, not that punk ever went away nope. but this was more of a mainstream type punk revival and of course i was one of the people who was like green day come on they they play four chords 
how do people like this? It's just four chords over and over again. Every song, they all sound the same. And it's like, as you get older and, and listen to it, you know, as a, I, I don't know that I would call myself a musician, but as a person that appreciates music, um, you know, you're right. It's something you may not necessarily like at first, but when you go back and really listen to it, it you can, you can jump on it. But you know, the, the fact that they played at the all-star game, for the NHL and the fact that the NHL signed some kind of contract with them or something. I don't know what the details were, but they signed some kind of deal with them as like a multi-year like co co co-business mingling thing to where they're going to do all sorts of events and promos and everything else for the NHL. (laughs) You, Going back in their history, you had to know that all this was was going to happen, or at least had a strong, strong possibility of happening. Because here's a band that's rooted in punk. Punk doesn't care. Punk doesn't believe in your rules, and punk will go out there and will tell you to f off. And that's exactly what they do. And so they did it. And now everybody's mad and wondering, oh, how could they do this? Because that's what they do. You shouldn't have expected anything less. So whatever executive got the bright idea that, hey, we should team up with Green Day because my, you know, 15-year-old niece likes them, I don't know why they just said, just do it, and didn't really bother to do the research. (laughs) But it was entertaining, that's for sure. I think this 15-year-old niece is listening to someone else. But, uh, you know, it's funny, like, one of my students who was in like his early 20s had a Green Day tattoo on his uh, on his arm. And it wasn't just a Green Day tattoo. It was um, there was a, a, a line art graphic from the album Kerplunk, which was from 92. And I'm like, wow, not only is that a Green Day tattoo, but that's like a Green Day tattoo from before they went mainstream. That's like, wow, that's that's a fan, you know, and for somebody to be like half my age and be that into Green Day. That was kind of cool. So, I mean, you know, this is definitely an example of music being cross-generational and this, that, and the other thing, especially right. with a band that's been around a long time. Um, have you, do you like, the, have you listened to uh, American Idiot? I know that's a long time ago, but that album? Not in a long time, but I listened to it at the time that it came out. Have you ever heard that? So there was a, there was a Broadway play of American Idiot. It was a musical. And there's actually like a Broadway, I vaguely remember that. It's not bad. It's different, but it's 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 kind of strange to hear Green Day music sang by other people and it being like just way more orchestrated. You know what I mean? Instead of just like simple guitar music and and, and drum and bass. You know what I mean? It was it it's it's something else. I like it. Interesting. It's it's it's, it's kind of weird. You know when like stuff that you think of as being like cutting edge and aggressive and anti-establishment and this and that. And it's like, no, oh, it's a Broadway play too. Yeah. Um, so I guess that, you know, maybe Batman saw that Broadway play many years ago and said, ah, this, this band could be good for us. I was going to say, I'm surprised they would sanction something like that, but what's more punk than saying, Hey, let's be on Broadway because yeah, no one would expect that. Let's make lots of money. Well, yeah, there's that part too. Well, but... God forbid that music that you musicians that you like make money. That's right. Green Day didn't all play for free. Yeah, Green Day didn't do it for the exposure. I mean, maybe they did at first, but then they did it for the money, and that's okay too. That is okay. 
And you know what? I could think of a million worse acts. I mean, the one that always comes to ma- mind was a, a stadium series. It was like New York, New Jersey, and it was uh, the Jersey Boys. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, <sighs> I feel like I'm ready for the retirement home watching this. You know what I mean? Versus, like, you had the stadium series in, in L.A., and they had, like, Kiss. It was, like, L.A. versus Anaheim, and they had Kiss play. Yeah, and that I was, like, that. way cool. Like, that's before my time, but I could be like, all right, Kiss is cool. Kiss is, like... I was 10 years too late to be into that whole kiss thing, but like I, I can appreciate them being way cooler, like to me than like the Jersey boys. Right. That was like, meh to me, like, uh, change the channel. Right. So green day, it was just like, yes, you know, like, Oh my God, I need to, you know, I need to turn this up all the way and, and just, and, and I guess that was a highlight for me and that's okay. Oh, but you know, what was not a highlight. The MVP voting. What a segue that was. Yes, that was not a highlight. So who did you pick again? Um, I was way off base. I said Nathan McKinnon was going to get it. And I don't think his name was even mentioned the whole weekend. <laughs> well, because his, his team got eliminated in the first game. Now, yeah. Th- Thomas Hurdle scored five goals, four of them in the first game. Technically, he had a natural hat trick because he scored three goals in a row in the first game. However, the first game had already pretty much been decided by the time he scored that hat trick. So if you subtracted his three goals, um, it would have been a seven to five win. Um, I mean, those three goals at the end, because at that point it was just like, I want to say they scored four unanswered goals. He had three in, and I think somebody else had the last one and that was it. But I'm thinking, four goals. Oh man, I'm going to be so right. I'm going to I'm going to get bragging rights for saying Tomas Hurdle will be the MVP. And then in the second game, he's not doing anything. I mean, he's out there, he's trying this and that and the other thing, and then he gets the game-winning goal. So I'm thinking, all right, this puts him back in the conversation because that last game was a lot closer. It was back and forth. Um I felt it was very close to the vest at the end it opened up a little bit, but it was still um a, a close back and forth game. And then I go on, they're like, the NHL is like, go on Twitter now and vote. And I'm like looking and he's not one of the people you can vote for. But then right. I'm looking at the comments and everybody's like, where's uh, Tomas Hurdle? Where's Tomas Hurdle? Where's Hurdle? Where's Hurdle? Right? Like everybody was tw- either tweeting that or John Scott, right? Who they wanted to be MVP. And uh, he didn't get, he didn't win as a write-in. I tried. And uh, as did many, many other people. Um, Pasternak scored, uh, he scored four goals and two assists. He he won MVP. He even said that that was strange because he was on the losing team and the losing team usually doesn't win MVP and things like that. And that's true. Right. Um, don't know why it went to a guy on the losing team, but okay, whatever it is. It is what it is. It's, again, it's not a... It, if if I'm going to, if I can't complain about, oh, the players didn't put in 110% and we didn't get Ovechkin and right. If I'm going to take all of that, then I got to also take that the MVP voting is maybe going to be a little bit skewed than what we'd expect. And you just got to be like, all right, that's okay. Not the end of the world. I think they gave it to Pasternak because they were trying to do a cross promotion between Dunkin' Donuts and Honda and advertise that the CRV hybrids that he won has enough cup holders to keep your coffee in that you get from Duncan. I think that's why they picked it. Conspiracy theory. Yes, exactly. I like I, it. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. So 
But uh, yeah, I was shocked that he wasn't on there either. When they popped that list up, I'm like, wow, Hurdle's not there. I'm like, they really, really have instituted the John Scott rules to to the tenth degree. The John Scott rules. <laughs> yeah, all the different rules that they put in place and take the voting away from the people. So instead of saying you can vote for whoever you want, it's okay. You can vote for these four guys, right. and we already pre-picked them. Right. Yeah. So let's go with all the safe picks and not pick the other ones. Meanwhile, meanwhile, we fire Jeremy Roenick for something stupid, but yet we let Green Day on the air saying the f bomb a bunch of times. Is so. he officially fired? I don't know. Well, but, he was. He would have definitely been a welcome presence at that All Star game. I, I, I felt, agree. Definitely feel like he was missing. Yeah, I agree. He was missing because he does fun stuff and he wasn't there to do the fun things, to talk to the players, to talk with the fans. Instead, to... we had stupid Pierre Maguire. You know. <laughs> Former NHL coach Pierre Maguire. Yeah. Do you, do you notice that almost every time they put him on the air, he was way too close to the camera? Like his face was like right there. It was like, whoa, back up. No, I, I didn't actually notice that, but uh, uh, yeah, I was just like, oh. When you don't like somebody and then you see them, everything they do is just amplified that much yes. more. <laughs> yes, this is true. This uh, is true. So maybe he, maybe he looked closer than he actually was, like those mirrors that say objects in this mirror are closer than they appear. Yeah. You know. Um, I don't like him so much. Anyway, um, that's a different story. Yeah, so why don't we change gears? I mean, we agreed that we liked the All-Star game um, for the, you know, All-Star skills competition. That was fun. Um, we're going to we're gonna change gears. We're going to talk about some hockey cards. So uh, th- for those listeners who are like, hockey cards, are those worth money? I haven't bought those since 1993. And you're probably going to like, I'm not telling you to turn off the podcast now, but I'm just saying... This is where we stop talking about the hard-hitting, serious NHL news, and we start talking about pieces of cardboard that may or may not be worth the pieces of cardboard that they're printed on. So um, today we're going to talk about um, a couple of different sets that were called Champs Hockey. Actually, really quick, I just want to do an update, though. Upper Deck Game Dated Moments, cards 40, 41, and 42 are out now. Card 40 is Ovechkin moves to ninth place on uh, NHL uh, all-time goals list. Uh, card 41 is, uh, I can't say his name, Merzlikens records... Uh, Elvis Merzlikens. Elvis records three shutouts in four games. Awesome. And then uh, card 42, Patrick Kane reaches 1,000-point milestone. I will definitely be buying that one. Um, in order to buy an EPAC card, excuse me, to buy a game-dated moments card, you have to buy an EPAC an upper deck e pack, um, and then you could get one of these cards for three ninety nine each. Um, speaking of which, twenty nineteen twenty upper deck series one is now available on e pack for four forty nine a pack, or ninety nine ninety nine a box, or just under twelve hundred dollars for a case. So if you're one of those people who are like, I like buying hockey cards, but I don't want to go to my local card store and buy them, or you're like. I don't have a local card store that's nearby to buy them. You can buy them on EPAC. So that's that's out now. What else came out? You said Synergy came out this week? Synergy, yeah. Synergy. Synergy. This week. Synergy. I think it's a lot like last year's. I haven't really looked at it too much because mm-hmm. I've been a little, little, little on the busy side. But uh, I imagine it probably looks similar to what it has in the past years. So, 
but synergy I mean, would be a great name for a set that was just like all holograms, right? Well, these have like the they're part acetate, part regular cards, and mm -hmm. a lot of them you can see through and the different colors and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I got to check it out a little more. I don't want to. I don't want to speak ill of it if it if it actually is a decent decent enough product. Also out this week is uh, Tops Now Hockey Stickers Week 17. Nine stickers for $7.49 a pack. As of right now, uh, every sticker is TBA, meaning Tops hasn't figured out who or what is going to be the subject of each sticker. Probably going to be some All-Star Game stuff because that was pretty much the big news of of the week. So, yeah, I uh, so. So, okay, so uh, we want to talk about, I want to talk about Champs Hockey. You want to talk about Champs Hockey. So just to give a little bit of context for maybe people who weren't collecting 10 years ago or even five years ago. So Champs Cigarettes made a set of hockey cards from during the 1924-25 season. Um, they're like black and white uh, pictures or drawings. Um, I've never actually seen an old Champs card. I'm looking at some on eBay. They look like old photographs, um, which is fine. I mean, everything is either a portrait or it's a posed shot. Um, Upper Deck bought the rights or has the rights to use that for hockey What year did cards. you say the first year was? 24-25. Okay. Um. I don't know if they did ones after that because I really don't have many cards. I don't think I have any cards from the 20s. I got a couple of oversized Opeachy cards from the 30s, and I do have a card from, like, 1911. But, I mean, those cards are just so expensive that I just... And you don't really see them in Chicago, and then I'll go like, oh, yeah, I want to I wanna buy one. Maybe I'll go online. And then, you know, 58 people bid on the card and drive it up to, like, $600. I'm like, nope, okay, I'm out. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'll just stick to some of this year's OPG instead, right? right. So in 2008-2009, uh, Upper Deck released a set called Champs, and it was made to look like these old cards. I mean, Champs, maybe they did... Um, Maybe they did cards for other stuff. I mean, uh, just to kind of give a little bit of a, a, a reference, they kind of look like Allen and Ginther cards where you have like kind of like a beige background and then like an illustration of like the player or whatever, because it wasn't just players. There'd be like a hundred player cards and an X amount of rookie cards. And then there'd be like these mini cards that were like the old, old tobacco card size about the size of your thumb. And then there'd be like cards of like, animals and natural wonders and presidents and prime ministers and things you know that you wouldn't really associate with a hockey card and um they did champs in 2008-9 they did 2009-10 they took a little bit of a break then in 11-12 they did a set called parker's champions which had a lot of features of like parkhurst sets from like the 2000s but then it also had a lot of features of the Champs sets of the late 2000s. So it was kind of like a hybrid set. And then in 15-16, Connor McDavid's rookie year, I mean, Upper Deck put out so many cards that um, they also put out a Champs set that year. Right. And I always heard the rumor that that one was never going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, but as we know, it, it, it actually did. And I think that was part of, Part of the reason why is, you know, it was Connor mania that year. So 
pretty much any product you could put out there that had Connor McDavid in it was it was hitting on all cylinders. So, so back in the day in uh, 2008, I remember getting my tax return in 2009 and being at a card shop, and I remember the guy had a box of champs, and I want to say maybe they were going for 120 at the time, and the guy's like, "Oh, I'll sell it to you for 100 if you pay cash," and I'm like, "Yeah, okay." I really wanted to get these cards. I liked the way they looked. I mean, it was just like an illustration. Maybe it's a photo. I can't really tell. It looks like an illustration. Um, maybe the colors are very saturated. And then it kind of has like this paint-like quality. And then like the background is kind of like a splotch. So I'm just going to say it's an illustration. It doesn't look like a traditional photograph. Um I liked those cards, and I put together almost the full... I got it put together a full base set, almost all of the rookie cards. Um, I ended up buying, like, all of the, like, small cards of, like, the veteran players for cheap. And then putting together... I still need many of the rookie cards. But then you had, like, cards of, like, animals and dinosaurs and stuff like that for the first year. And I will tell you this. I went and I bought a second box, and I got a redemption card for a relic card and this relic was called a neolithic stone tool and it was literally just like if you think of like an old hammer that was like made out of like a stone this would have been the the striking part of the hammer not the handle part but it was just like you know and they just said that this is basically from the neolithic era and it was a you know had a, has a little bit of a shape. I mean, what I have is just a sliver of that. So they took a picture of this thing, and then they put a little sliver of the stone on it. Or as Charlie Brown would say on Halloween, I got a rock, which is what I got. I got a rock. Nice. I got a card of a rock. So that I, was, I still can't believe you got that. Yeah, I can't either. You know, it's funny. I wish it was a, a, a cooler card. I really wanted the dinosaur tooth. Like, the one that they would show on the, the ads and stuff would be like Tyrannosaurus Rex tooth. Right. And I got a rock. Yeah, but still. I mean, it's those were practically impossible to pull. I mean, mm-hmm. that would I, I believe those are case hits. I mean, okay. I know they I know they were for the following year. Okay. So I would imagine they were case hits for that for that year as well. Um you know, I I don't know. I I never saw anybody actually pull one. But mm-hmm. I've seen them at shows, like individually, and that's the thing; they were all redemptions, if I'm not mistaken. They yes. weren't actually packed out. No. So you had too to get easy those to find if they were. So that's the thing: is if you didn't, if they were never redeemed, so I always wonder what what happened to those. Did Upper Deck repurpose them? Because I know they brought back museum collection pieces in various sets throughout the years. And did they just repurpose those pieces for the non-redeemed redemptions? Mm -hmm. Because that's the thing. If you like these sets, and I would encourage anybody to go out and and find these if you can still find people selling them and pick them up. Even though you're going to get an expired redemption if you do hit the case hit, these are still value-added boxes in in my opinion. But there's a lot out there still. So I imagine... They may have repurposed a lot of that stuff. I don't know. I don't know what the what the rules are for that. Well, but, they, I think they honored up to like two years after the redemption or something like that. Okay. Because so I know these, the first I mean, two years they would be long gone. 
Well, I can't, I mean, I can't speak to the 08, 09 because I didn't really get into it that year because mm-hmm. I was of the opinion when I saw that at first, I'm like, come on, this is, this is the biggest gimmick cockamamie stuff I've ever seen in my life. And now Allen and Ginter is bleeding over into hockey and I, and I hate it. Okay. But the following year, I just, for some reason, I, I didn't like it and I didn't like it and I didn't like it. And then all of a sudden I liked it and I don't know why. It's the blue borders, but it's always clicked with me ever since. Mm -hmm. And I know, I know for that year, the museum pieces that were included that year were one out of 320 packs. So like I said, it's, it's, it's a case hit. So you're probably going to get one in a case of those. But again, it's, it was a redemption card at the time. So the fact that you can pull a, a Pleistocene era alligator fang or right. a, you know a cave bear claw or you know a woolly mammoth femur it's it's crazy to think about like i'm opening a product that i can get a piece of a dinosaur that's you know 6 million years old or whatever mm-hmm. um so yeah that I thought it was silly at the time, but it, it, it grew on me. And that's why I went kind of hardcore on the, the next year on that. And that's, you know, same thing. That's part of, uh, well, maybe not the getting the, the relic because that's always cool. But I think part of the reason why this set is so hard to put together is because you had these these natural history cards that were short printed. And then I think in 2009-10, they they upped it with the presidents and the prime ministers and the natural wonders of the world and stuff like that. And it's hard for me to pay five dollars for uh, a short printed card of a wombat. Yeah, I mean, there's you can definitely make that argument. And I know. So if I'm not mistaken and you can you can kind of fill in the blank. So in eight, nine. The set consisted of, was it 200 cards? The base cards and the rookie cards? Something like that. You had you had your base and you had your rookies, yes. And the rest of them, the like the yeah. fo- obviously the fossils and stuff, but the minis were separately numbered, correct? Yes. And so they were numbered, numbered like C something, right? Yeah, if I'm not I mistaken. I think this one actually goes, let me look at my set here. Because I didn't think, didn't think to jot down ahead of time. The whole set seems to go to about four hundred and eighty. Sound about right. Something like that. Four seventy six. Yeah, four eighty would be the last one, and that's yeah. counting the um, the animals and skulls and bones and fossils and woolly mammoths and dinosaurs and all that other stuff. It seems like the player cards. Counting the rookies seem to end at around where are we here? Two maybe three hundred? Sure. So if you want to build two ninety. Two ninety. So if you wanted to build the set as it stood, and you wanted to include the minis as part of that, you'd have two hundred regular cards, and then you'd have another four hundred and eighty minis to be able to put both of those together. So you're talking yes. 680 cards. But the there's 100 rookie cards in in champs, the regular sized and those were short printed. Sure. So you had 100 base cards and then 100 short printed rookie cards and then 100 short printed 
small-sized or, or mini-sized player cards, and then uh, however many, or sorry, like more than 100, maybe it was 200. But yeah, I mean, you had a lot. And the big rookie in this is um, Steven Stamkos. Sure. And, and a, ton of, a ton of that is short-printed. So, you know, whether or not you are the purist, you know, set builder and you consider short prints part of the set or not, I mean, that's, so be it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would look at it as I'm getting the base cards and I'd have to get the minis. So there's 680 cards yep. in order to, in order to pull off the, the giant, giant set. Um, the following year. Yes. Um, basically you were looking at kind of the same situation only this time they numbered the minis as part of the main set. They didn't have a separate numbering for them. So the base cards one through a hundred are the normal size cards, Mm -hmm. but then numbers one Oh one through five eighty are all mini cards. So there's, there's almost 200 rookies. Uh, sorry, there's almost 100 rookies. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, another, I can't even, I can't do the math in my head, but like 197 through 388 are the are the mini NHL star cards. Yep. And then just like this, you have the wonders of the world, the natural history, and then the historical figures that go from 389 all the way up to 580. So... There's a lot. You're right. There is a lot of mini cards, and the higher they get numbering, the more short printed they are, and so and, and the harder they find it within each group. So the higher number wonders of the world are harder to find. The higher number natural history ones are harder to find. The higher number historical figures are hard to find. See, and I um, can kind of understand where Upper Deck would say, "Okay, this is a hockey card product." let's make the hockey cards easier to get and let's make the natural history cards because they're more of a curiosity than anything. Let's short print those, make those harder to get. Okay, fine. But the fact that they even have to tier that, that's what frustrates me. Well, and I don't, and that's the thing. I'm only speaking from my experience and what I've kind of found with chasing after this set because it, and just for the listeners out there, I've been building this set since probably the year after it came out. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to put together what I call a, my master set. Um, it, it's not quite a master set because I haven't included the, um, obviously the museum oh, pieces right. or the hall of legends memorabilia, because those are half impossible to get. Yeah. Um, but I've been putting together the regular memorabilia, the regular autographs, all of the minis, all of the color variants and, and trying to build that. And, and by going through that, the minis and the ones that I need generally pop up as the higher numbers within each group. Mm -hmm. And they're the ones that are harder to find. And when I do find them, they're not, you know, 50 cents to a dollar. They're three to five or even higher, depending on which ones they are. Right. When When you try to buy them. And it's, 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 it's hard to justify that. Like, when do I pick up champs minis when I find them in a quarter box? Sure. And that's, I, I think most set collectors are, are going to, are going to go after them that way. It doesn't make them any less cool because I think this set is, is phenomenal. I love the way it's designed. I love 
you know, the pattern of it. Honestly, I think, in my opinion, I think the 09 set is better than the 08 set. The 08 set to me was a little more boring. It was more, you know, most of the card is that beigeish white color. Right. And you have just the kind of photo that's centered in the middle. Mm -hmm. The following year in 2009, it was... It wasn't to the border. It wasn't to the edge. There was a white, more of a cream-colored border around mm-hmm. it. But the base cards had like a a blue, like a what would you call that blue? Like a sky blue color. Yeah, like a, it's like kind a, of like marbly, almost. Yeah, and it's sort of marbly, mm-hmm. and it's got that like mirror, mirror on the wall shape in the middle with the player, and mm-hmm. then behind the player is like like they're in the woods or something. Like playing it's on like a hockey a rink in the woods, pit. or whatever it is. Is that what it is? It's a tar pit. I'm guessing because you have trees and you have like this black ground. I'm, I just thought okay. it was like a tar pit or something. I don't which, know. And then, which would make sense because you remember how this was actually advertised. If you remember the boxes of these, um, it was called. It was uh, how did they say it? Uh, where the ice meets the ice age and more. It said on the box. Yeah. So you had. Uh, you know, the fact that you could pull pieces of dinosaurs as well as um, Gordy Howe, who was also a dinosaur. I mean, it that was pretty cool. That was really cool. And again, I'm still trying to put all this set together. The tobacco so, cards are kind of cool. You know, the minis and that, that's always a it's always a fun kind of thing. And for the longest time, I never really knew how to store the the mini cards until I found like the pages that you can put them in. Oh, I have those. Yeah. Yeah. So the the mini pages that fit the tobacco sides cards, but why don't you talk about the color border variants for the, the base set one through 100 (laughs) is you are really hype on that. I remember when, when we way back in the day, I remember one time we met up at a show and I gave you just like a stack of yellow and, and orange and, the dark blue, I think it was dark blue board. No, the 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 light blue, like a te- like a like a it's light teal. teal. It's teal, yeah. It's not teal, but okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, I gave you like a bunch of those, and you're like, "Yes, I'm gonna get all of these." And I'm like, "Good luck." Those orange yeah. ones are like one per box. Yeah. So, as far as the one through a hundred base cards, so you have the blue, which is the blue is the the base base, um, and then you have. It depends on what side of the fence you're on, but it's either teal or green um, is the next the next more rare color version, followed by red. Uh, there's the red color version, followed by yellow, which is well was Sorry, originally the yellow is one per box. Yes, yellows yellows fell one per box. Um, generally, when you when you open up a box of these, you were going to get like eight parallel cards yeah, uh, out of a box. And so uh, of those eight, it would be more or less, it would be like four or five of the green, a couple of the red, and you get one yellow. Now, mm-hmm. that's what I originally thought all there were, was blue, green, red, and yellow. But it turns out they took it one step further, and the yellows were also released with a variant on the bottom. So the, the way the card is designed is on the bottom under the little mirror, mirror picture. 
and there's a little hockey puck with cross sticks mm-hmm. and it has the player's name underneath it. Well, instead of the crossed sticks on there's yellow variants that have animal pictures on them. So instead of the hockey sticks, they will be like a little hawk oh, sitting geez. on either side or an owl or a, a coyote or a rabbit or you know, a snake or, or some, some kind of animal there. So there's an animal variant and those animal parallels are next to impossible. Um, you would find those about one every 80 packs or so. Uh, so they're, they're a very tough pull. So being able to put together all of the color, if you want to include the animals in that, good luck because some of the higher end cards and keep in mind, the base doesn't have any rookies. So the base are just the stars and the legends. And there are a lot of legends thrown in here. Um, and some of the higher end ones, like obviously Gretzky is going to be. Um, more than Mike Camilleri, mm-hmm. for for an example. So if you find somebody that's got the uh, Gretzky animal, yellow animal variant, you're probably not going to wrestle that away from them for less than three figures. Really? I will tell you that. I yeah. saw I saw a graded Crosby yellow animal one. It mm-hmm. sold for like four hundred and eighty dollars wow so it's a little a little out of my price rate but i do have like 12 or 13 of them that i've well, found just give like for context like what would just the yellow border that's one per box what are, what do those sell for like on average or i know obviously good players sell for more yeah um so you can get yellow border ones most of the time for a couple bucks, mm-hmm. you know, to be, I would say between two to $4 for, in most cases, um, you'll, you'll find the, probably the mid range stars. Um, you know, five, right. five, or, five or more, maybe. Okay. So like your five to ten dollar range, basically for your, unless it's somebody like Gretzky or or Crosby, then it's going to go for more. But when it has yeah, that animal print, right. so those the seem to be like one in every four or five boxes. Yeah, the animal print ones are are absolutely crazy. Um, and when I find them, if I can find them for a pretty good price, I definitely pick them up just because of of what they are but i mean here here's to give you give you a quick idea just i looked it up while we're sitting here talking so the yellow just the regular yellow gretzky um the cheapest one right now there's one on comc for three it's 33 dollars okay for the yellow gretzky it's 23 dollars for the yellow crosby okay so i mean that gives you an idea of of two of the higher end yellow ones of what they're selling them outright for. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as an example, red Kelly is about 12 bucks. Mm -hmm. Ilya Kovalchuk's about 12 bucks. Um, Henrik Zetterberg animal print is about 12 bucks. Okay. So, I mean, it just depends on the level of player and you know what the, I guess what the rarity of it would, would be in the grand scheme of things. But like I said, I've, I'm putting all of it together, but, 
it's like slowly but surely i've had the base cards forever i have multiple sets <laughs> of the blue mm-hmm. uh, that i've been able to accumulate as i've gone through i can't tell you how many boxes i've opened of this mm-hmm. just because for some reason this is the set that every time i look at it i'm like i love this set like i love it so much because mm-hmm. they don't look like to me they don't look like cards necessarily mm-hmm. more like, like works of art maybe yeah like little see like that's what... how i feel about the previous year the 0809 set because it had a little bit more of an illustrative quality to it. Um, I mean, you said they had, there was a lot of beige to it, but I mean, white space, I think, is okay sometimes. And to me, I, I, I don't know. It just, it was like, it, it had that old-timey feel. It had that artistic quality to it. I thought it was still very colorful. Uh, that's, that's why I liked Champs the first year. The second year, the blue borders just was kind of like, eh, okay, whatever. They put borders around it. I didn't like it as much, but I mean, everybody has their own opinion. But the know. red one, the red, you have to admit the red ones, the red ones are nice looking. I would have liked it. You know what I would have liked better? See, this is how I would have, this is what I would have done differently. And this is how I would have made, drove collectors crazy, but also made them buy 20 boxes and want to buy 20 boxes. Is that, I would have done more color variations, but I would have made them all the same print run. So I would have done nine different color variations, but they all would have been seated the same. So maybe you get a purple Crosby in this box, and maybe you get a yellow Crosby in this box, but one isn't necessarily worth more than the other. So then you kind of figure out, well, do I want to build a set where all the color borders are different, or do I want to build a set where they're all consistent? And I think that would be kind of a fun thing where it's like, yeah, there's nine different versions of the card. They're all base cards. And it's up to you. Are you going to build the set with mixed borders? Are you going to build the set where like maybe all the guys on this page you put on yellow borders and all the guys on this page you want to get them with red borders? See, I think that would have been more fun of a challenge than like I kind of like the color variants, but they're short printed. So I'm not really going to chase after that because you know one per box i'm just for a variant nah i'm not interested sal come on you're telling me you're you telling me your collecting ocd would allow you to put together a set with all different color borders i would i would at first and then from there i'd slowly branch out and then eventually i'd try to get all of them see i would do nine nine. you would try to build nine different sets all of the same color and then you'd probably even challenge yourself to do one as a rainbow color <laughs> i i think that'd be fun though like i i think that would be because i think of like the 73 74 top set where some had green borders some had yellow borders some had blue borders and some and had none red of them borders were centered. huh and none of them were centered and none of them were centered right whereas with the opichi set they were either uh i want to say red or yellow borders they didn't get the blue or green which is unfortunate but um you know that's whatever um, I think that would be fun. I, I think that would make the, the, the border variations more fun. And by the way, this is why I like player collecting, because I won't necessarily want to try to complete a parallel set. But if I have a, a player that I collect, I'd get the parallel of that. And sometimes that's good enough for me where I say, well, I don't have the entire Emerald Ice Parker set from 93, 94, but I got the Chris Chelios and that's good enough for me. Yeah, and that at least gives you the the option to kind of bow out from that and be like, look, this is what I collect and this is what I'm going for and be able to do that. But 
you know, if you're trying to build a set like me, you're like, well, I need all of the colors of Carey Price. Mm-hmm. And for some reason to this day, I still don't have the green one and mm-hmm. can't find the green one. And I've never been able to find the green one. So then Champs came back for the fifteen sixteen season, and it almost seems like it's kind of a hybrid between the two designs because you still kind of have this uh, border a little bit, like this sh- this cutout shape that the players are in, but then you they kind of look kind of illustrated. I mean, there's a lot of white space, which I think makes the player pop more. That's why SP Authentic grew on me over the years because of the white space. Um but uh, I didn't really collect this year, the fifteen sixteen, And they started doing some really crazy stuff that year where they had cards of rugby players and soccer players and of different species of fish and food items like the smoked meat sandwich and the uh, Montreal steak and taco-styled cool. pizza. And these were not little bitty cards. These were like full-size two-and-a-half by three-and-a-half inch cards where you're just like do i really need a montreal steak card yes do i really need no if Smoke you're building meats. the set you do <laughs> yeah if you're building the set you do but i feel like um i don't know that year i just wasn't really into champs i got a box for one reason or another and um i just kind of looked at them um i'm missing all my short prints so i think i gave those to you already <laughs> i think i just kept the base cards and I might have given you the short prints because I'm looking at the ones that I have here and I don't have any short prints. So they ended up somewhere, um, hopefully with you. But uh... I, don't, I don't know if they did or not. I don't I don't remember. I know I, I got a box of this because I was like, ah, oh, champs, cool. And I got a box of it. And at first I was like, eh. And as it, as it kind of sat and I picked up a few things here and there and it started accumulating more. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Let me put this together. Let me see what I can do. And so I started building that one as well. But you're right. There is a lot of white space on the card design on these, but it's kind of a hybrid between the eight and the nine sets Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where it has a lot of the white space. It brings the border in. It's kind of an antique type border. Mm -hmm. Um, And the design kind of harkens back to the old, uh, the old cigarette style designs before. But, you know, for the most part, the cards are, they're all full. They're all full size. Um, there aren't, um, what do you call it? There aren't really minis Mm -hmm. as part of, as part of the set. Um, but you're right. There is a fish set, um, quite a few different fish. Um, I don't remember how many were in there, like maybe 30 cards as part of the fish set. Um, including, including a Seattle sockeye, which, um, may or may not be the name of the new team. Gary Bettman wouldn't confirm that this weekend. Um, and yes, there's famous foods, which is kind of gimmicky and stuff, but Coney, you know, Coney dog and pierogies and lobster rolls and chicken wings. And I forget what else is in there, but um, they did go the step of what has usually been reserved for Goodwin champions. Um, and that's kind of intermix other sports and other event type people mm-hmm. in cards. Like there, I, I think there's some track and field people in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also some historical people in the checklist as well. And they're all part of the main, uh, the main base. And there, I think there's 300, 
twenty. Uh, I don't know. Do you do you know what the next card? It's like three hundred. There's only like three hundred twenty some cards. Yeah, so I'm not 325, sure. Three hundred twenty-five, three twenty-seven, something like that. Um, so it's not as big of a set as the previous two years, but when you get into the high numbers, they are short printed. So the rookies are all short printed. Um, the higher, the high numbered cards are short printed, which are um, the uh, what you call it, like retired, mostly retired players, is what's what's in those higher. And there's different tiers of short printing too. There's short prints and there's super short prints. Uh. And then there's super, super, super short prints, which are the last few cards uh, as part of the set. And those are um, the, um, what do you call them? Like rookie. Um, I, I can't think of the, I can't think of the rookie name of threads. No, they're, uh, uh, why is it? Why can't I think of it? It's not coming to me. Um, wow, this is just like a waste of dead air space because I, I can't. So think of you're talking about about. the 1516. There's some rookie yeah, cards that are like, like super short printed. Yeah, there's like the like the really high, the really high numbered ones. They're mm-hmm. rare, rare stars. That's what they call them. rare stars. Oh. Yeah, and so like Lemieux's in there, Ovechkin's in there, so. Yeah, so those are like next to impossible to find, and when you do, they're very expensive. There's Plus. also color border variants. Yeah, they did. There's gold variant fronts, and there's also gold variant backs. Um, and the gold variant backs are on different, like they're so they're different. So like you'll get a gold variant front, it may not necessarily have the gold variant on the back. And I got to look at all my common cards and see if any of these have. If it's a gold variant back, it has the champ symbol in gold, like Mm -hmm. real big right in the center. Hmm. Um, And if it's just the regular card, it looks just like the normal card with the stats in the back. Yeah, it looks like all of these are normal. So there's also silver parallels and those are numbered. Wow. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think I only one silver parallel ever out of the multiple boxes of these that I've opened. And that one silver parallel was like a woman boxer or a mm-hmm. bodybuilder mm-hmm. or MMA fighter or something like that. I don't remember even who it was. So, and that's that. So, wow. So, yeah. So, uh, I thought the champ sets were nice. Um, I was a little perplexed that they didn't continue for the 10, 11 season, but that was a year that, uh, Panini America was also making NHL hockey cards. So it seemed like upper back upper deck had to cut back what they were making a little bit. And maybe they didn't go, they didn't go so far off the deep end there. I think there were production caps on how many card sets they could produce, right? Because there were two manufacturers. There were two manufacturers. So they can't just let one make 30 sets and the other one then gets to make 30 sets. And then, um, so I was probably a little disappointed that Champs didn't endure the next year. Um, when it did come back in fifteen sixteen, I was so focused on Upper Deck Series 1 and Series 2 that I don't think I really bought anything else that year. I mean, that was just, those were the sets I was buying. I might have bought a few other cards from a few other sets, but that, that year I was just really focused on Upper Deck. Um, and I Champs just kind of like, 
just kind of flew under my radar that year. And I was just like, yeah, that's nice. But I, I think at that point, like, I felt like the idea was kind of done. Like, I would have liked it if it came out every year consistently. Um, but then it goes away and then it comes back. And it's just like, I don't know. I think by then my preferences had changed a little bit. I'm not saying that if a champ set came out tomorrow, I wouldn't collect it. I guess it depends on how it looks and what the other cards were like. And then, of course, you know, how challenging it is to build. Because sometimes I'm just not interested in, like, short printed veteran cards you yeah. know what i mean like maybe you're not the a big fan cards... of those short prints i know that well i understand that rookie cards have to be short printed but i don't think that like you need to like just take like the 30 best players in the nhl and then make them short prints also right i don't disagree i mean that's why i don't collect Fleer ultra usually because um unless i get a box set uh, when they were doing those different tiers of like short printed veterans and it's just like, yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, well, and, and like we had talked about before, MVP started doing that too. Oh, did I, I'm sorry. I meant MVP. I said Fleer ultra. I meant MVP. Oh, I uh, gotcha. Good catch. Good catch. Yeah. Oh. I was sorry. You know what? Uh, ultra glossy full color, two sides cards just kind of all blend together for a while right like how do you tell the difference between a, a victory card and mvp card and a Fleer ultra card is this a joke i don't i don't know how the Fleer ultra card has a Fleer ultra logo the mvp card has an mvp logo and the victory card has a victory okay. logo all otherwise right. there's really no difference right all right i'll give I you mean, that it's the same you know <laughs> glossy on both sides color on the front and back right right this one has a victory logo. That means it's only worth a dollar. Oh, this one has a Flair Ultra logo. That means it's worth $2.50. This one's got an MVP logo. $4. Yeah. Wow. So, anything else you want to say about uh, Champs before we wrap it up? Our patient listeners have been listening now for just about 90 minutes. All I can say is I think... That anybody that's looking for a nice throwback looking set and wants to plop down a couple bucks for something that's not too expensive for a box if you can find it. I mean, generally you'll find these under $70 for a box if you can find them still. That's mm-hmm. that's the key. Um, they don't always pop up, but when they do, that's usually about the price point on them. And I'd be more than willing to snatch one up at that value. If not... If, even if you're not necessarily a hockey collector, the fact that you can pull one to two mini signatures out of a box of these, and if anybody wants to go and check out the signature list of the players that are available to get signed that are signed on here, it's not just hockey players. So this isn't just a set for just hockey collectors necessarily. Um, you know, this has got one of probably the the best autograph checklists I've ever seen. You know, Barry Sanders, Michael Jordan, Nolan Ryan, Larry Bird, LeBron James. You know, they're all in there. In addition to Gretzky and Gordie Howe and, you know, Crosby and those guys. So it's a huge, huge undertaking if you go after the set. But I think it's definitely, uh, there's definitely value there. And it's a fun break if you find a box. 
Likewise, and I'll do a little bit of a plug here. Um, if you uh, are interested in a base set of 2009-2010 Champs Hockey, I have a complete base set for sale over on my Puck Junk shop. That's shop.puckjunk.com. I have, uh, you know, of course, I've been selling T-shirts on that site. I recently added some complete sets of trading cards, and I have a set there of uh, 2009-10 Champs Hockey 1 through 100, um, if anybody's interested in that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, I agree. It's a, it's a fun, definitely a fun break. I mean, if you try to build the set, you'll probably need two boxes to get close to a base set, and then you could probably pick up the few extras that you need in trades or on eBay or on COMC. For 09, for sure. You only get 50 mm -hmm. base cards, so. Yeah, my two boxes had 49 each, and I only remember that because I just pulled up my box breaks from 10 years ago. So, gotcha. so that that's how, why I have a good memory for those things, because I was actually looking at my, my box breaks. Um, but uh, all right, then I guess we're going to wrap it up. So I want to thank you all for listening. Um, if you like this podcast, please tell your friends. Uh, please tell your family. Please tell the other hockey fans in your life. You can subscribe to the Puck Junk Hockey podcast on iTunes, Apple Music, uh, Google Play Music, uh, Stitcher, on um, iHeartRadio, on Spotify, um, on anywhere where you can you know, subscribe to podcasts. We are uh, all over. We are everywhere. If uh, you like this podcast and want to support it, consider buying a shirt. But until next time... Thank you for listening to our podcast, and we'll uh, talk to you again next week. Peace out. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at PuckJunk.